John LeBlanc here for Dino Skeptics episode live number three on the 24th of December 2016 and like I said this is the third episode of Dino Skeptics live and I've got with me the man who cooked up this idea in the first place and didn't think to turn his own computer onto mute you go through all this pre-production and it counts for nothing. So Lucas how have you been my good man? I am pretty good mate but yeah I'm not an expert like you on the the live hangout so forgive me for my uh, rookie error. You are forgiven and we will ask the people in the live chat to let us know if there are any issues with the audio today because last week we did have some issues technically so let us know in the live chat how the audio is going but uh, the plan today Lucas is to just go through a quick welcome, a quick overview of what the mission is with this little trip out to Winton And then this episode is really focused on the itinerary. Where are we going? When are we going there? Why are we going there? Give the people an idea of what this trip is all about. So let's get started then. It is the festive season and we are here at the Chateau Lucas in Brisbane. Tell us how you've been since the last episode. Yeah, pretty good. Uh, I had some visitors in last night, actually a bit of family in. So had some good chats last night. I think you'll agree, a few beers, and we decided to uh, schedule a live show um yeah and then talk about the uh the trip going forward focusing on the itinerary um but yeah been pretty good mate uh finished up work so all free now till the 9th of january so no blockers there from the working side um yeah and then good to go excellent well as the informal producer of the show i might just ask you to put that thing on mute whatever the hell that is making all that noise so it is a festive season i was fortunate enough to meet some of your family, and I have to say it was a lovely conversation last night, but they got the good bed and I was stuck on the couch. So if I'm looking a little bit tired, the reason is because I didn't get too much sleep. But enough about all that. It's very important that people understand what this trip to Winton is all about. So if you had to give us your elevator pitch, someone says to you, why are you going there? What's this film all about? What is your brief synopsis of what this is intended to do? Yeah, for me personally, um, it's just to go out there, check out the uh, check out the museum, check out the Lark Quarry, check out the Stampede, um, and really get up close and personal and hands-on with these uh, dinosaur bones and fossils. And, uh, yeah, just to really go out there and see it for myself. Like I am I am a believer of, I guess, of the narrative of the, of the dinosaurs. So to me to go out there, it's just to... Uh, see that firsthand for myself. Um, but you obviously have a little bit uh, different take on the, uh, I guess, the, the dinosaurs in general um, and, and these Australian ones uh, specifically. But for me, it's yeah, just a road trip out there, uh, get on the road, go visit for myself, uh, you know, and, and put your money where your mouth is, so to speak, go out there and do the actual field work. Well, you can never practice an elevator pitch too many times. This would be mine. There are 500 species of dinosaur in the world today, depending on who you ask. And several of them were found in one place in rural Queensland, about 1,400 kilometres inland from Brisbane, by a farmer and some of his associates. And now there's a museum out there. So what we're doing is going out to that museum to inspect this evidence for ourselves and along the way take some footage and hopefully put together a feature-length film to sceptically inquire about these dinosaur discoveries and the museum that uh, is home to the dinosaurs. And that would be my basic elevator pitch. What do you think about that? Yeah, that's, uh, I think, pretty accurate. Yeah, pretty – sums up the intent well, we should say, yeah. Excellent. Well, we will be taking questions from the live chat during the show. We've got about 20 people watching live right now. Nathan Oakley says that the audio is okay, but please let us know in the live chat if there are any problems because these are all archived in both MP3 and video format for future watching, and we'd hate to have any technical problems. So let us know. But with all that said, Lucas, let's get straight into the meat of this episode. And you're telling us about the itinerary for the road trip. 
Start off by telling us how many days you expect it to take for the round trip and then go into more detail about each stop along the way. Yeah, uh, good question. So I'm planning around six to seven uh, days, depending on the uh, the extra day on the drive back. I guess if we're feeling pretty good, we can just uh, put you know put the hours down. It's not probably not too much uh, you know too much to be gained from taking it slowly on the way back. So I did actually call the uh, Australian Dinosaur Museum uh, yesterday, though. Uh, at the eleventh hour, I got on the phone and called them because on their website it said closed from the twenty fourth of December to the second of January. So I just wanted to confirm that it's open on the third or open on the second. So the uh, the young lady there confirmed that it was open on the third of January. That's their first day back. So with that being said, we can leave Brisbane on the thirty first of December, make the six hundred kilometer drive out to a town called Roma. Um, population around 7,000 people. There's a couple of good campsites just uh, just on the other side of uh, Roma. Um, from there, I think we'll then do the drive up to a town called Longreach uh, in the northwest of Queensland, population 3,000, where we will spend uh, New Year's Eve. Uh, oh, sorry, that no, will actually be on the 1st. My, my apologies. So New Year's Eve will be in Roma. Uh, Longreach will be on the 1st. And that gives us um, within striking distance to Winton, so 200 kilometres from Longreach to Winton. So on the 2nd of January, we can uh, get a bit of a feel for the town, drive around, try and get those uh, establishment shots, get a bit of um, filming other way as well, Um, hang out with the locals perhaps, have a few beers at the Winton pub. Um, And then on the 3rd, we can get down there for the opening of the museum. So we've got Lark Quarry, which is 180k southwest of Winton as well. Um, so, again, that will probably be on the 3rd. We'll head down to Lark Quarry, do the uh, tour of, of the Stampede site. Um, from that, like I said, if depending on how much film we've got, how we're feeling, maybe the 4th in, in Winton around the area, a few other dinosaur sites around. Um, and if, if not, we can uh, wrap it up and 5th, 6th drive back to Brisbane perhaps through Rockhampton. So, again, the uh, round, uh, the return leg's not too set in stone, but, um, yeah, we, we can just play it by ear on the way back. So, no... so if you had to give a, a rough guess, you're thinking maybe the 7th we'll be back by? Yeah, 6th or 7th. Like, I'll seven. go back to work on the 9th, so I wouldn't mind a, a few days back uh, after the trip and uh, just to decompress. Okay, so we're thinking maybe a 7- or 8-day round trip on yep. the road. Much of that will be spent uh, taking footage, as you said, for the feature-length film. A couple of days will be dedicated to the age of Australian Dinosaurs Museum and to Lark Quarry. Can you give us an overview of what we can expect at the age of Australian Dinosaurs Museum? Well, the age of Dinosaurs Museum um, is just the, I guess, the base for the uh, uh, for, for the uh, fossils and the research there. The Lark Quarry site is actually 100 kilometres um, down to the southwest. So I think, yeah, the... The museum is just the, uh, I guess, the, the visitor centre, so to speak, um, but the actual site where they found the the stampede in 1976-77 is actually yeah, down at a site called Lark Quarry, which is a yeah, an hour, hour or so drive from the actual museum. Can you tell us more about uh, the age of Australian dinosaurs in Lark Quarry? Work with me here while I'm sorting <laughs> out the chat. Well, uh, yeah, like I said, there's um, the Lark Quarry that was, uh, we said on the last uh the last uh, video, that, that's where the inspiration for the Jurassic Park um, flocking scene came from. So they reckon there's 3,300 footprints there from, um, I reckon, around 150 um, T 
two-legged dinosaurs? Is that a theropod? Or is, that, is that right? Yeah, theropod is the two-legged ones. Yeah. And just with that reference to Jurassic Park, people who haven't seen that film, it's a 1993 film, if memory serves. If you haven't seen Jurassic Park for a little while, I recommend you go back and watch it. And this is one of the key scenes early in the film where is it um, Sam Neill, the Sam Neill yeah. character? He's the expert paleontologist, if you like, and they get out of their Jurassic Park car just after they've landed and they're taking their little tour. And what do they notice? But a stampede of dinosaurs. And the official story goes that that was inspired by these footprints at Lark Quarry. That's correct, yeah. So and then in 2004, the Lark Quarry got um, heritage listed in Australia. Um, so now, yeah, it's a, as an Australian heritage site at a Lark Quarry as well. So I guess uh, heritage listing, yeah, it can't be, can't be uh, built on, et cetera. So, yeah, that got uh, made in 2004. Um, and while we're on the uh, Lark Quarry, do you know what happens at the Australian Dinosaur Museum in April 2017? Just to put you on the spot here, Jono. I have no idea. Tell me. Well, they're opening uh, Dinosaur Canyon. So that's a, a grand opening in April 2017. Unfortunately, you know, a bit bit early, but, you know, all, all goes well. We might head back out there in, uh, in April or May next year. So even though you've explained this, it's worth reiterating. There's a couple of different spots, all within a relatively small area that is significant. There's the Central Museum, the Age of Australian Dinosaurs Museum, which is run by David Elliott, the man who found two, at least two different species of dinosaur and an asteroid, would you believe, all on his property. That's the museum that he runs specifically and the museum from which the expert paleontologists work. Then separate to that is this Lark Quarry site, which has the footprints, the fossilised footprints that were supposedly the inspiration for Jurassic Park. And the significance of that, or one of the significances of that, is that now dinosaurs are birds and birds are dinosaurs. But it hasn't always been that way. And the film Jurassic Park back in 93 was instrumental in implanting this idea that birds and dinosaurs have this close relationship because what do we see with that stampede? It's like a flock of birds. And if you take the time to go and watch Jurassic Park, you'll see he even makes specific reference to that. The, the Neil, Sam Neil character, whatever his name is, his character makes specific reference to that. This site, Lark Quarry, even without the museum, is very important to the overall narrative of what dinosaurs are today. Yeah, that's right. So even on the Wikipedia site, they actually throw in uh, at the Lark Quarry some mention of emus as well, maybe to uh, to uh, reiterate the dinosaur bird-like uh, creatures there. So um, yeah, if you if you read the uh, Lark Quarry uh, Wikipedia page, it gives some information. They mention chicken-like uh, dinosaurs in there, 180 or 150, I think it was these chicken-like dinosaurs. 150 of them. Yep. Well, what I'll do is again, just because we're uh, running the show ourselves, there's no producers behind the uh, fourth wall. I'll just get you to sit up a bit closer because I'm taking up too much of the screen there. That's better. That's better. The audio will come through better as well. So, yeah, so those two places in particular, we've already mentioned the museum. We've mentioned Lark Quarry. There might be one or two other places that you wanted to take in that were specifically related to dinosaurs. Yeah, so there's uh, Richmond as well. There's a, a, uh, a site up there to the north, uh, northwest, and uh, Hewingdon as well. But I think that's going to be a little bit far reach up from the drive. But, hey, if we've got time, if we've exhausted the uh, the uh, the sites around Winton, we can perhaps do the drive. You know, time is of the essence. So, yeah, it's only probably three or four hours round trip to them. So we could probably get up there and check those other ones out. Now, there is another one down to um, before Longreach as well. Uh, the name escapes me. Again, they've, they've started to pop up their own um, dinosaur museum. So last time I think we... We made the analogy of the uh, pre-Vegas Vegases, so we are actually seeing a few of those pop out in 
um, rural Queensland. So again, just if time permits, we might uh, we might make some beelines to these sites as well. But I guess the main focus is Winton. Um, let's make sure we do a good job there. And if we've got any uh, time up our sleeves, let's uh, let's investigate the other ones. Excellent. So a couple of days to get there, a couple of days at these main points of interest, yep. and then a couple of days on the trip back. And you mentioned Rockhampton. That's this is a new one to me. I only just found that out when you guys found it out. We might be making a little stopover in old Rocky. Uh, well, coming back, be lining through Rockhampton, and then we can go down via uh, your mate at Bundaberg. That's what I was saying. So Rockhampton is just a little bit north of Bundaberg. So if you come back directly uh, east, you can go through Emerald and Rockhampton, hit the coastline, and then come down. But there is actually another dinosaur site in Mackay, but unfortunately that's probably two or 300 kilometres north of Rockhampton. So, again, probably starting to add too many kilometres onto the trip if we wanted to go to that as well. But I think we should do uh, one thing right and hit hit Winston hard and then, yeah, if we want to come back by Rockhampton and, and stop over one of your yeah your listeners through Bundaberg, then we can do that as well. I guess one of the main things to take away from this then is that you've got a pretty good idea of where we'll be and when we'll be there, but it is still flexible. I guess it's largely dependent on what happens while we're on the road. But yeah. that gives people a general overview of the plan, stopping at a couple of rural places on the way, spend a couple of days getting as much footage and inspecting as much evidence as we can at the museum and La Quarry, maybe one or two other places, make the trip back and hopefully be done within seven or eight days round trip. Yep, that's probably a, a good good uh, summary of, of the intent at the moment. Yep. Excellent. And uh, I guess with all of that out of the way then, we can start going through some of the listeners' questions or do you have more points you wanted to make about the itinerary? No, that's pretty much like I said, well, that's, that's the thinking at the moment. Uh, not set in stone, but, uh, you know, uh, the old man serviced the van as well, so we should be good to go logistically. Um, but like I said, we can always play it by ear if we if we need more time. We we you can take you know we don't have to put so many kilometres under our belt. There's plenty of camping slot, sites along the way, and uh, yeah, or, or vice versa. If we want to you know really get out to Winton, we can just yeah punch through two drivers. We can rack up a few kilometres along the way pretty easy. Well, that makes a nice little segue into the vehicle that we're using to get there. We have mentioned this before, but it's worth going over again. Can you tell the fine listeners at home all around the world? how it is that we're moving from Brisbane to Winton and back again, what will be our mode of transportation? And while you do that, why don't you just sit a little bit further to oh, your left? I'll sit over here. You are a perfectionist, I'll tell you what. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, my dad's uh, he's, yeah, he's uh, retired now. He's done the what we call grey nomad. Uh, I guess that's probably an Australian term. So I bought the camper vans. So Mitsubishi Deliso, if I remember. Um, got it fitted out pretty well. Um, Long-range tanks, 120-litre tank. So, yeah, we should be pretty comfortable. But, you know, we've got means to, you know, facilitate this journey. And that was my offer to you. I've got the, the logistics and the transport. So I can assist you uh, in, in that regards to, you know, make this dream of yours a reality. So, yeah, the uh, the van's pretty well serviced, pretty well used. Like I said last time, Dad went out there a couple of weeks ago, um, went out to Birdsville, which is a, bit, a little bit further west than uh, Winton, uh, southwest. Um, yeah, so it's uh, more than capable. So it's uh, up to us now just to uh, get in there and pull the trigger and make this happen. Fantastic. And I understand as well the van is capable of sleeping yourself and I'll be in the swag Yeah, just beside the van on the trip, won't I? So uh, maybe shouldn't be giving that away for operational security reasons, but I will be sleeping in a swag just outside the van there and back. Yeah, it should make some good footage of you uh, a bit dusty out yeah. on the, dusty on the, uh, the red outback. I can't wait. So Excellent. Well, you keep saying that this is my dream, but it's worth going over this again. Episodes one and two of Dino Skeptic, we did touch on this, but uh, this was actually all your idea originally. Here's how I remember it, and you tell me where I'm wrong. 
I've been very skeptical of many things for a long time now, whether they be media stories or certain claims made by authority figures, be they religious or scientific. I just like to study what it is that they're saying, why they're saying it, what's their evidence, what's their logic. I think that is perfectly normal, reasonable. It's what any intelligent person would do. And so when the topic of dinosaurs came up, you said to me, well, you know that Queensland is the home of Australian dinosaurs. And I was like, no, I didn't know that. I didn't actually know much about Australian dinosaurs. And you came back to me one day and you said, look, we can go. If you want to test your theory that maybe not all is, uh, is being told about these dinosaurs, you can test that theory. We can head out there. I'll take some time off work and we'll head out there. And I said, well, uh, this is you're thinking very long term here. I've got other things I need to do in the meantime. But if time works out, that's a great idea. And as it's worked out, that's pretty much what's happened. So my memory is that this is really more your idea than it is mine, Lucas. Yeah, I guess the uh, the journey is uh, my idea. You're absolutely right. Um, like you said, you didn't know much about the uh, Australian dinosaurs. I had found a few in, I guess, in um, just reading more science websites, um, often popped up when 2010 when there was a bit, bit of a uh, noise around this museum opening um, and it was just always in the back of my mind. So when you started coming on about the, the sceptic side of it, what I noticed like from a lot of these videos is, um, you know, it's easy to make uh, videos from your home behind your keyboard, but it's actually a little bit harder to go out and do some field work. So my challenge was to you to uh, go out there and, uh, yeah, let's let's make it happen. So Excellent. So do you have more that you want to speak about with the planning or can we move into some more general conversation? No, I think that's uh, pretty much from the, from the planning, unless there's any other questions. I think that's logistics covered, yeah. so Excellent. Well, we said from the start, I, I'm one of those people who thinks too many cooks spoils the broth. Yep. And in any team, be it a two-man team, a hundred-man team, a million-man team, it doesn't matter. People should know their roles and they should be responsible for their roles. So with this film, I feel like I'm responsible for, I guess, a lot of the filming and the storyboarding and what have you. And then the editing, when we get back, I'm taking responsibility for that. You'll have a lot of input, obviously. With the logistical side of things, I feel that's your responsibility. Yep. And if you want my uh, opinion or input, by all means. But really, this is your this is your main contribution to the overall mission. Is that a fair summation? Yeah, that's, that's, exactly, that's exactly right. I'll be the chaperone and, uh, yeah, you the uh, creative artist to uh, get out there and make this. Does anyone at home get the feeling that this guy's just washing his hands a little bit of all of this? Oh, I'm, I'm just driving there. It's, it's JLB who's questioning the dinosaurs. I, I, you sort of well, like washing your hands here, mate. My, my question to you is who has the Dinosaur Skeptic Channel, me or you? Uh, well, no one has the Dinosaur Skeptic channel yet. It won't be long before someone registers that as a channel yeah. and tries to rip off what we're doing here, which I welcome investigation into dinosaurs because I think if more people started looking at the official story on the macro and on the micro levels of some of these dinosaurs, maybe they'd start to get a little bit suspicious as well. So why don't we go into more detail about that then? Is it fair to say that if there's 500 official dinosaurs out there, give or take a few, depending who you ask. It's not an exact science, apparently. If there's about 500 dinosaurs out there, Lucas, would you say that you're open-minded to the possibility that some may be embellished, if I can use that term, euphemistically? Yeah, 100%. Well, like I said before, is uh, to me, there is no classification of a genus as well. So by whose standards do you have to pitch this to? Um, what becomes a new species of dinosaur? Who are the... Uh, who is the body that signs this off and how does it you know, become into uh, mainstream science? So what is that What is that process? And to me, it doesn't seem to be very clear-cut on that process. We might, like I said, kick our toe on another dinosaur and have a John LeBonosaurus. Like, who knows? So, 
here's the hoping. And uh, we did go into the official story of Winton in Dino Skeptics 2. So this is the third episode, episode one. We just gave a general overview of ourselves, how we got interested in this, how we met, all that kind of thing. Episode two, we went into more detail about Winton, the town, some of the key characters involved, some of the key scientists involved, the timeline, the chronology of the dinosaur discoveries, etc. And now in episode three, we've gone through the itinerary and the plan for the road trip. So I think when taken as a whole, the three episodes should give people a pretty good idea of what you and I will be doing uh, with ourselves. Yep. Uh, come New Year's Eve through early January. Yep. What a sacrifice to make, eh? Giving up our New Year's Eve for uh, for a Dino Skeptics video. Well, Who would have thought this time last year? Well, we've made this point before. You are a family man. So yep. to take a week, you only get, what, four weeks holidays a year, yep. I would imagine. So to take a week of your holidays to go for this road trip, it is a huge commitment. And I'm very thankful. I mean, we haven't actually made the trip yet, but already I'm thankful that you would do that. And I hope that the listeners at home and the viewers at home appreciate the sacrifice that you're making. Obviously, for me, the time isn't so much of an issue it's more the fact that we're putting in a little bit of money each that we've both already contributed towards a film. The film is funded just by ourselves, what we've put into it. However, if people do want to contribute, there is an opportunity for them to do so. Now, I don't have that screen in front of me right now, but basically it's a bit like the Indiegogo or crowdfunding platforms that people might have seen elsewhere. If you go to the site and you check out the Dino Skeptics documentary page, you'll see that there are a few levels that you can choose from if you want to contribute towards the making of the film. You can get your name in the credits. You can get a physical copy of the DVD. You can get a shout-out. We can even ask your question to one of the experts. We can ask your question on camera, if we can take our camera in there, and we can get the experts' answer to your question. So there's a range of benefits that can come if you contribute towards the funding of the film, and you can check all of that out on johnlebon.com. Excellent. Excellent summary. Well, I hope people uh, yeah, it's up to them. Well, I can say that somebody already has. Someone's gone ahead and signed up as a Titan supporter, a Wintona Titan supporter. There's four levels of support. It goes Minmi, Matabarasaurus, Australopithecus, and Wintona Titan. And the Titan level is the highest level of uh, support. And someone's gone ahead and signed up. Now, I won't use his name just now. I'm not sure if he wants me to use his name, but uh, someone's already gone ahead and signed up. And you'll be getting yourself a signed copy of the DVD. Excellent. And how did you come up with those names of those uh, levels? That's a good question. No, but now we're starting to work together. It only took 40 minutes. Hey. Now we're starting to bounce. This is great. Yeah, so there's four levels, and they're all named after an Australian dinosaur. And not only that, they're all Queensland dinosaurs. So Minmi is a Queensland dinosaur. Matabarasaurus is a Queensland dinosaur. Australoveneta is our version of the raptor. And supposedly more ferocious. in there. It's in there. There you go. Yeah. Oh, can you point to it? Yeah, so that is coming through that on the is, camera. That is the uh, Australovenator. And if, he, if you zoom in, he looks like a big chicken. He's got some fluffy feathers on him too. So well, that's more or less how the theropod story goes. That's that's kind of the official story now. And so the Australovenator, if people look at the thumbnail for the Dinosceptic live shows, that dinosaur that you see with yeah. the sun just below it, that is a model, uh, Australovenator, at the Australian Age of Dinosaurs Museum. And it's kind of like their claim to fame because even though the Brachiosaurus or the Brontosaurus, these are well-known dinosaurs, they're a little bit boring. But yeah. the idea that there were these beasts that could attack you and they could just jump around, they were very quick on their feet, they were agile, they were just like the raptors from Jurassic Park, that seems to bring in the, uh, the attention and the shekels. And so Australia has its very own raptor. It's called the Australoveneta. And then finally, the Wintona Titan. And do you know what the Australoveneta means in non-Latin? I think it means Southern Hunter. Wow, well done. You've done your research. Oh, we've done plenty of research. In fact, uh, many people have been following my work since the ARP days two years ago. And, of course, I did have that more politics-based discussion format uh, podcast for about a year, myself, Ethan and Lindsay. 
And uh, Lindsay, don't you love him? He has this habit of buying books from old libraries or old books from libraries. And he knew that I was going for this documentary, so he bought me this. He found this at a uh, book sale. I'll try and get that into the camera for you there. The Dinosaur Hunters. And this, my friends, is the official story of dinosaurs, written by a lady who I think works for the BBC. So I've just been slowly but surely making my way through this one. And uh, we're doing our research, Lucas, without being facetious now. This probably is a little bit different. This is the difference between us and maybe some other YouTubers who talk about their skepticism of dinosaurs. We're actually reading books and trying to get to know what the official story is before casting judgment on the official story. Is that a fair call? Yeah, very fair call. And what better way to spend a uh, a night out on the road uh, around the campfire reading a few chapters from uh, the Dinosaur Hunters book, okay, just to set the mood on the the drive out there. I think that's a good idea. Yeah, Yeah, sit around a campfire. Are you are you going to be taking materials that will allow us to have campfires, or will we be bumming off other other campers' fires? Hey, hey, guys, do you mind if we just sit around your fire and tell you how we uh, don't believe in dinosaurs? Oh, I'm sure we'll work it out, man. It's not yeah. a good sign lighting a fire. Hey, yeah. so we'll be right. When was the last time you went for a long road trip like this? Oh, good question. Um, probably uh, Norway, 2008. Uh, we drove from uh, Oslo to Oslo to Tromso uh, through Bergen. Uh, and then we took a plane up to Svalbard. So for those who don't know, 84 degrees north, um, got to watch the uh, midnight sun, middle of February. Oh, yeah. Uh, see the 24-hour sun. Yeah, saw it firsthand. So have a bit of a laugh when the uh, flat earth is going about midnight sun. So. I was about to say there might be one or two people in the live chat who might not believe your story without footage, the old 24-hour sun in the Arctic. But we're, look, yeah. we're, we're happy to have anyone yeah. in the audience. Exactly. So thank you, everyone, for joining us. There's about 30 people watching live right now. We will start asking your questions in a moment. Before we get into the general chat, can you tell us a little bit more about the props that you've brought with you here? Yeah, actually, so these come from the, uh, the museum in Queensland, what is it, in Brisbane, where uh, yep. Horopat uh, works. So, yeah, just picks up some little toys for the kiddies, you know, why not? That's what you do these days, right? Got some dinosaurs uh, for the kids and, yeah, get your T-Rex and, you know, put them around and play dinosaurs. So, yeah. Start educating them early. Do you think there'd be any way to quantify the total revenue that comes from the various toy manufacturers, film manufacturers, and other paraphernalia merchants and the money they make from the dinosaur industry? I'll see if I can set aside some time before we leave to try and come up with some kind of... uh, Well, there's got to be some figure, right? You think there would be. Something is being sold. If even someone like you has these dinosaur toys lying around, think about how many of those are lying around all throughout Australia, throughout the world. Now... You not being a father, you probably don't know the show Peppa Pig, but you know the the little character in there, George. His favourite toy is a dinosaur. So, yeah, George the dinosaur, or whatever it is. So yeah, even in the uh, even the children's cartoons, they start implanting the uh, the dinosaur memes there. No, I wouldn't know that film. I've never heard of it in my life. Although I will say this, I turned up at Lucas's place last week, and I brought my suitcases in with me. As many of you know, I'm living out of a suitcase. I've been for some time now. I bring the suitcases in, and the first thing I notice, sitting just below your big telescreen there, are three Lego toys that have been built into the silhouettes of dinosaurs. Yeah, so that was actually... A nice little touch from Lucas to say, welcome, JLB, to the Chateau Lucas. Well, that's of my son's own volition. He uh, created him himself, just got blocks and built dinosaurs, so... Well, we were asked an excellent question just on that last week by a gentleman called... I assume it's a gentleman, a YouTuber called Goaway who asked you if you were to come back from this trip and uh, be of the opinion that perhaps some of these dinosaurs might be less than they've been sold, how would you deal 
uh, with your son. Have you had more time to think about that since that question was asked? What would your answer be now? If you came back and you were pretty confident that there might be a little bit of shenanigans going on out Winton Way, would you even tell your son? Yeah, well, I've actually been thinking the other way. What happens if um, more sold coming back? If we've you seen, are washing your hands with this already. If we come back and we sell the evidence and like, this is, hey, what happens if it's like, well, you know, tell us, look, we've got to go out there, next family trip. So what about, and there's also that possibility. Um, yeah, but uh, otherwise, I think it's, like, like I said last time, it's uh, just, uh, you know, keep keep to the narrative, I guess, and, and uh, let them make their own decisions. Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, we were saying that this, not just with dinosaurs, but with any line of inquiry, there are huge ethical considerations that come into it, both on the, I guess, the micro scale with our own families and the way that we interact with people in our lives, and then on the broader scale in terms of what influence, what effects could this have on other people who are far removed from us. And because we are doing these shows, they are publicly available. And because a film will essentially be publicly available when it's finished, depending on where the film goes and the overall narrative and what we do find when we're out there, we can't necessarily know what the overall uh, effects will be. Can you tell the audience, can you tell me in your mind, what do you see this film doing? If you had to give a rough guess as to the uh, viewership that it might get or the impact it might have, in your mind, what are you expecting? Oh, well, yeah, I'm hoping it's, uh, yeah, gets well received, but I'm also realistic of, yeah, the audience. Like, I'm, yeah, like I said, I'm hoping a few people watch it, maybe a bit, bit thought-provoking. Um, hope we do a good job from a you know, cinematography point of view. Hope we present ourselves well. Hope we present um, the story fair and accurately. Hope we, you know, also encompass the outback and, you know, the mateship and going out there as uh, just going for that road trip, a good old-fashioned road trip. So I guess that's what I'm, I'm hoping to achieve, and I hope that, I hope we have that uh, theme or narrative come clearly through and, and our characters are portrayed. And when I say characters, our personalities are portrayed accurately through you know, a 90 minute film, which may be of challenge. So you know, as we were discussing last night, there's probably some other candid stuff that might go into an extras reel, um, might not fit within the official uh, story, but you know, all, all, all the good fun and humor along the way. And actually I, I got a prop uh, today when I was out shopping doing the, uh, the last-minute Christmas shopping for the family. I've got, got a bit of a prop for you, so I'll pull one out, that one out uh, as we get filming. I won't, I won't pull a rabbit out of the hat just yet, but uh, you'll be pleasantly surprised. I'm looking forward to it. Let me read you a question from the comment. And when you do the kind of thing that we're doing, certainly I've been, uh, I guess, I don't want to say public figure because that's overemphasizing it, but I am out there, you know. So criticism comes with doing anything publicly on YouTube and that kind of thing. In the live chat, we've had a question. Let me put it to you. Well, not a question, more of a comment from John Watson, he says, fund this camping trip one born every minute, which I take to be a cynical, I guess, criticism suggesting that um, this is just a, a camping trip for you and I and we're trying to get people to fund it for us. When you read that kind of ridiculous, baseless ad hominem attack, what's your response to that kind of thing? Oh, just, if you don't like it, switch off. Like, <laughs> no one's forcing you. So no one's, like said, if you want to be part of it, then more than welcome. If you don't, like, I don't, I don't care either way. Like you mentioned, I'm taking time off work and throwing money and, you know, putting money down, putting my money in my mouth there. If people want to, don't want to participate, then just don't participate. Like, I don't care. Like, if yeah, it doesn't bother me. I can do a live show and that guy will be watching the show, right? So that's just how it is. That's how it's been for a long time. And yet he will complain cynically when you and I say that if people want to contribute to the film, get a DVD copy, etc., he'll cynically complain there sitting on the sidelines this is what the term peanut gallery is all about, and that will come with doing the film. So let me ask you, 
if John Watson and people like him, they're not uh, a tiny minority, but there actually are a lot of humans out there who are completely pathetic and do nothing with their lives but watch shows like this and then complain about it. Are you ready for some of the criticism that might come your way from being part of this project? Oh, well, I don't really have a, you know, a presence on, on YouTube, so it doesn't really bother me. I, I, you know, I can't predict what will happen, but it doesn't really phase me. Like I said, but this isn't my career. This is just me assisting you, again, washing my hands of... You really uh, are washing your hands with this. But, um, yeah, I'm providing logistics and the means to do it. So uh, yeah, this, is a, this, isn't, uh, this isn't my whole life, right? I'm, I'm, I'm curious about this. Is, is it uh, going to be a fun chapter? Um, but it's yeah, it's not really uh, my whole life or investment. So, yeah, so it doesn't to me. I, I can't really, I can't really. Uh, um, yeah, I, I don't think I'd be too offended. I only found out for the first time last night that this character he calls. There's a YouTuber with thousands of subscribers who calls himself Lord Stephen Christ, and I only found out recently that he made a video about me a few months ago, where the thumbnail is a photo of me with a cartoon dog poo superimposed over my mouth. And that's just the kind of thing that comes with doing this kind of stuff online. It comes with the territory. So I've had two years to get used to it and to become acclimatised to it. But I do wonder if when you get your first dog poo superimposed over your photo thumbnail of a video by some random YouTuber who thinks that he's Jesus, how you're going to respond to that because it could well be coming. There could be someone making it right now. Was it at least good Photoshopping? Did he do? Did he at least do a good job? Well, it was just a, a two. It was just like a two-layer image. He yeah. didn't put too much effort into it, but um, I guess it's the thought that counts, isn't it? Yeah, exactly right. Well, and they do say that any publicity is good publicity. I'm not sure if that's always true, but certainly the more people who do spread the word that hey, there's actually people, whether they're skeptical of dinosaurs or apparently not skeptical of dinosaurs anymore, and what's going on there, no matter what it is that we're doing we're actually going to inspect the evidence with our own eyes. And I think one of the mistakes that many people make in this scene, I call it, is they judge the evidence before they've seen it. And I think this is true of most people. Most people, say with dinosaurs, will judge the evidence as being legitimate because it comes from scientists. It's up to somebody else to prove to them that it's, that it's not legitimate. I think a lot of people in this scene do the opposite. They say it can't be legitimate, it can't be possible, it's up to somebody else to prove to me that it's real. And what I'm saying is with scepticism, it's more about you go and inspect the evidence, you check it out for yourself, and you come to your own conclusions. And I think that's a healthy way to be. And that's one of the things that I'm hoping to get from this film and from this overall project is to encourage people, have your opinions, that's fine, but why don't you base those opinions on research? Even something as simple as reading a book, there's plenty of information online. If you go to my website, just go to that Dino Skeptics, uh, the dinosaur page, the documentary page, it's like a couple thousand word essay that I've written there with like two dozen different references to mainstream sources, to the official story, to the scientific papers. I've kind of collated all the information that you need about these Queensland dinosaurs for you. Just read it and inspect it before assuming that the dinosaurs are real or before assuming that they're fake. Base your opinion on the evidence, not the other way around. What say you? Yeah, I think you've just hit the nail on the head to assume everything. costs nothing because, you know, it doesn't take any of your time to actually go off and, you know, God forbid, read an article or two actually takes a little bit of your time. So, yeah, it's quite it's, – it's, it's simple to do nothing, is, I think, is my answer. So, yeah, you can just sit there and, you know, like, oh, yeah, that, that makes sense. So you go, hang on, well, actually I have to get off my ass and do a bit of research and do a bit of thinking and uh, maybe draw my own conclusions. Yeah, I mean, let's speak more broadly. I've been thinking about this a lot lately. What percentage of grown adults today, say people over the age of 20, read nonfiction books on a – regular basis if you had to guess say in australia 
what percentage of grown adults of their own volition, not, not specifically to do with work, but just of their own volition in their own time, read non-fiction books on a regular basis if you had to guess? No, 2%. 2%? That would be my guess. I would say closer to 10 or 20% because yeah. a lot of guys read sports autobiographies, which are technically non-fiction. Yeah. If you take those out of the equation, yeah, I think it could very well be below 10%. So we live in a world now where very few people think that learning about stuff is worth their time. But they'll say that they're learning because they're watching documentaries or they're watching YouTube and I'm, I'm learning from those people. But in terms of actually applying their own mind to the cause or to the case, it's not really worth their time. And I think that gives us an indication of just how far we've fallen intellectually that so few people will read a nonfiction book. And then when someone like you or me comes along and says, yeah, well, we've done some reading, we've come to some conclusions, we've got some ideas, we're going to go and investigate further that they would sit there in the peanut gallery cynically throwing smart-ass comments. I think some people, they really do need to have a hard look at themselves. What is wrong with them? It might well be that they are so far below the median IQ, they're so far gone, that there's no hope for them, that we're sort of talking to people who are they can't actually listen even if they wanted to. Yeah, well, I guess you'd probably know. How many people would you know? How many adults? 50, 100? And would, you know, would any of those have read a, a non-fiction book in the last 12 months? Honestly, if I was to sit down and go through a list of the people who I know well, yep. whatever number it is that I come to, I'd be pleasantly surprised if it was more than 10% made a regular habit of reading non-fiction books, not including sports biographies. I'd yeah. be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, exactly. I mean, why? I mean, Lindsay got this book from a, an old library, right? They were selling the book. This is what Lindsay, Lindsay used to have his own library downstairs, right? And so if he saw a, a bookstore or a library selling books cheap, if he found one that he thought might be useful for a reference book, he'd buy it. And that's how he uh, collected his library over the years. And uh, why are they throwing books like this out in the first place? Probably because nobody's reading them. Okay, where most people get their ideas of stuff like dinosaurs is the 1993 film, Jurassic Park. That's where they're getting their idea of dinosaurs. And then they'll read in the mainstream press that, oh, uh, the filmmakers actually had expert paleontological uh, input into the film. This, these aren't exactly scientific dinosaurs, but... This is based on science and, and people actually think that they're getting a fair depiction of reality from a screen on a wall in a movie theatre. That is the world that we live in today. And I make the allegory, I make uh, the, the connection to the allegory of the cave, Plato's cave, where there are a lot of people, their reality is what they see on the wall. It's not shadows from a fire. It is a screen. It is a 32-inch screen. It's a 40-inch screen. It's a 52-inch screen. Whatever, whatever the screen they can afford that becomes their reality. And the reality for a lot of people today is either what's given to them by Hollywood or what's given to them by their favourite YouTube conspiratard. There's very little in between. Yeah, I think that's pretty, uh, yeah, pretty fascinating. Excellent. Well, we were hoping to keep this show to an hour, so we've still got about 15 minutes left, I think. I'd love to read a few comments from the live chat. I did note one earlier. I didn't get their name, but I did note the question. The question was, have they found any full skeletons? Now, I'm not going to speak to the 500 or thereabouts official species of dinosaurs, but for the ones in Queensland that we're particularly concerned with, off the top of your head, can you tell us roughly how much of the bones they found for each of these species? And before you do it, make sure you move to the left a little bit. Somehow you keep getting out of frame. Come left. I think you're moving. I think you're moving. I think it's fine. You're moving. Go on. So tell us. 20% is the, uh, is the figure that they're throwing around. 20 to 25% of the, uh, yeah, of, of the skeleton. So the, what is it? The, uh, the Eleatorium, uh, I think that was the latest one they found 
they reckon they've uncovered 20% is, is the uh, figure to answer your question. Yeah, and so we did screen share this last week. Again, if you're watching this live, you've got your computer, go and check out, just go to johnlebond.com, go to that documentary page, go to Key Topics, Dino Fraud, Dino Skeptics Documentary, very easy to find. I give you the images there from the scientific papers. I took the time to go and read the scientific papers, take the images from the papers. Their own images depict dinosaurs with by their own account, only 20 to 25% of the bones of what they think the dinosaur had. There are long neck uh, dinosaurs there where they don't even claim to have a single bone or fossil from the dinosaur, not a single one. So the logical person has to ask, if you don't have any of the neck bones, how do you know that this dinosaur's distinctive feature was a long neck? No, we just have to infer it, just based based on science. Yeah, so to answer the gentleman's or the person's question in the live chat, do they have any full skeletons? I think there might be some people elsewhere that claim to have either full or close to full skeletons. But in Queensland, in this town that we're going to, the official story, the scientific explanation is that the fossils that they've collected account for up to a quarter of the total suspected mass of the dinosaur. Yeah, well, one thing I noticed from that video you presented last week, um, they actually said that the fossils are within the rock. So they don't actually find the fossils, they find the rock, which I think is a bit of a contradiction to the official uh, narrative of kicking your toe on a dinosaur bone. So maybe they actually have the 100%, but they just haven't chiseled out the rock. So that's maybe a question we can throw to them when we're we're out there on site. Well, it's worth reminding the listeners, because you and I, we've spent so much time now over the last couple of months really going through this bit by bit progressively, and we sort of know the official story of Winton pretty well. I don't blame the listeners or the viewers for not being Orfe with it yet, what you can do, what anyone can do if they've got enough money is go out to this Australian Age of Dinosaurs Museum and take part in one of their digs where anybody, paleontological training or none, can take part in the dig and help uncover dinosaurs from these excavation sites. And these are not deep excavation sites. We're not talking like quarries. We're talking a few feet dug into the ground by a bobcat, essentially by a bobcat, by a digger. They get to take part and dig the dinosaur bones out of bone. And then, again, anyone can take part when they get the bone to the dinosaur museum, to the, I guess, the workshop of the museum, can take part in chipping away at the rock to uncover the bones. That's not my story. That's not my opinion. That is the official story. Anyone can do that. Yeah, we did actually apply for that, but they – we um, yeah, there was, there was no time when we were out there, basically. They said if we come back in a couple of months' time, that we could participate in that, in that, um, in that uh, what do you call it, that dig or that uh, activity. So, but unfortunately, we can't partake in that while we're out there. No, we can't. Well, make sure you keep an eye on the chat. If you get any good questions, we will read them out. I think next time we'll have to put a screen behind this computer here so we can read the comments. You know, we can set it up a little bit better. Yeah. But it's a nice little setup you've got down here. We've got the lighting behind there. Computer, we're down in what is usually your poker room. Yes, yeah, that's right down the man cave. So if you can see, this is the uh, the felt here. We can sit around with the boys and have a few uh, uh, a few games. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, but it's a uh, I think it's a good little spot to make some YouTube videos. Why not? Yeah, why not? I think it's working out really well. And we have got the dinosaur uh, poster behind us. Can you tell us while we wait for the questions to come through? When did you buy the poster? Was that specifically purchased as a prop for the show? No. Um, my father, you know, like I said, he knows about the trip, so he is an Australian Geographic uh, subscriber. Found this, um, found this magazine that was uh, thought of of interest um, about the actual uh, Winton site, and in it, and lo and behold, in it was a you know, poster for your kids to stick up on your wall. So got that probably about three months ago, and uh, yeah, been meaning to show it to you ever since. So. I think you've done really well. Well, you've got your props, you've got the 
plastic dinosaurs. We've got the poster in the background. I've got my little reference book there. I think we're slowly but surely getting there. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. So I'm just having a look at the uh, comments now. Um, if there's any questions, yeah, far away. But otherwise, yeah, I think we're just about done. Yeah, more than 30 people in the live chat, but they're mostly chatting amongst themselves. No real questions coming through to us just yet. So it might be time to wrap that one up. Any final thoughts for episode three of Dino Skeptics Live? No, I said the, uh, I guess today was about talk about the agenda or the itinerary, we should say. So I think we've covered that uh, quite well. Um, I said pretty, pretty loose on that. Um, main, main goal is to get out there, you know, do the, do the research ourselves, have a look around, um, you know, get up and close and up and close and personal with some of these bones and, you know, maybe see David Elliott himself and get to ask, um, you know, ask a few questions. Excellent. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. And we don't know if David will be there. David Elliott being the man who found the dinosaurs, found the meteorite, founded the museum and runs it to this day. We don't know if he will be there. I'm hoping that he will. I'd love to chat with him. I consider him to be Australia's luckiest man. But if he's not there, other experts surely will be. And we'll be asking them our questions and maybe some of your questions as well. So please make sure you go and check out that page on johnlebond.com. All the information is there. The complete overview of this town the dinosaurs, the experts, plenty of references, plenty of citations for you to go and double check for yourself to get a better idea of what this project is all about and why we're going. And it'll help you to get a better idea of what I mean when I say research, because sadly, there are lots of people out there who consider watching YouTube videos to be research. In reality, it's not. It could be a part of a broader research strategy, but in and of itself, it is not research. You need to check other sources. And especially in cases when it comes to do with science, the actual scientific papers, which I link to at that page as well on johnlebond.com, which is also where you can find episodes one and two of Dino Skeptics Live and any future episodes that we do as well. That's right. And uh, become a member, which I notice my membership is uh, is on notice as well, but we'll talk about that at another time. Oh, yeah. Well, honorary <laughs> membership. Well, okay. You so run a, you're on a tight ship here. So there's, there's two levels of membership for the site, and you can sign up for free membership, and that gets you access to shows like Dino Skeptics Live. And uh, Lucas complained to me this morning that his free membership or something was uh, almost expired. And I'm like, man, just chill out. I'll, <laughs> I've got my hands full preparing for a documentary, as you know. I'll fix it up. So if any of you do have any problems with the website, just send me through an email. I'm always a couple of days behind because there's so much to do. But any problems with the website and the memberships, just send me an email, johnlebond123 at gmail.com. Now, we did have a question from the viewers. They asked about, do they know our intentions? So in full disclosure, I emailed a few of the proponents out there and said, hey, um, we're interested in coming out. Uh, John LeBond is looking at doing a documentary. Would you be willing to participate in an interview? Uh, so far, yet yeah, we haven't heard any, any replies back. The only one they did reply to was the um, intention to do that, that dig, and they came back that um, it wasn't the right time for them. So, yeah, I've uh, tried to be transparent and say, hey, we're coming out here to do a documentary on the site. Um, if you'd like to be involved, then, yeah, let us know. Just as we're wrapping it up, the good questions start to come through. Jed Skeptic Media says, where did ancient civilizations get the idea of dragons if dinosaurs didn't exist? That's a good question from Jed, I think. And uh, Jed is a good content creator. Go and check his work out if you haven't already. There's this idea out there, Lucas, that dragons, say the Chinese fascination yeah. with dragons, stems from their own discovery of dinosaur relics. Some people even think it might come from them living with dinosaurs. There's some wild theories out there. Is this one that you've given some attention yourself, oh. the connection or the proposed connection between dinosaurs and dragons? Oh, I guess there's always that uh, 
these things look like dragons or these things look like dinosaurs. Um, but apart from that, you know, dragons are also in a lot of, uh, I guess, uh, pop culture and, and, and literature, more fictional. Um, but that's about as much sort of as I put into it, to be honest. I've spent some time looking into this and I would suggest to people this idea that there are such thing as uh, ancient civilizations going back thousands of years, it seems like a widely accepted position. That makes perfect sense. But what's the evidence that uh, we know what the Chinese were doing hundreds of years ago? Go and look into that evidence yourself. I think once you get into the habit of a proper sceptical uh, methodology, if you like, with uh, doing your research, going to the primary sources rather than secondary or tertiary sources, what is the evidence? What's the oldest evidence we have of the Chinese talking about dragons? And how do we know that it's that age? This will take you down uh, what they might call a rabbit hole, Lucas, all of its own. I'm not convinced that the Chinese were talking about dragons thousands of years ago. It might be the case, but uh, based on what I've seen, it, it doesn't seem as compelling as I used to believe that it was. In the live chat, Jacques says hello. If that's a Jacques that I think it is, Jacques, how are you, mate? Good to see that you're tuning in. That's fantastic. Does that, does that sort of make sense to you, what I'm saying there, the, this alleged connection between dragons and dinosaurs? It's not as cut and dried as the Chinese have had dragons for thousands of years, so how do you explain that? I would suggest that we should question the premise of the question. Yeah, I'll have to take counsel on that one because I haven't really uh, looked into it too much, so don't want to speculate. But, um, yeah, it makes perfect sense. Again, it's, uh, you know, all, all your scepticism is, is based on what is the actual evidence, and if, you know, if you haven't found any of it, then, then so be it. But, uh, you know, my question to you is uh, how much Mandarin can you read exactly? So there's also uh, translation issues, and uh, maybe, maybe there is, and you, you haven't read it yet. So, Well, that's, that's the whole thing. Like, when you're looking for evidence, you don't know what evidence is out there waiting to be found. But generally, in my experience... If there's a story that's being uh, proffered, whether it is that dragons are uh, connected to dinosaurs in one way or another, whatever the story is, if you have to keep digging and digging to find the primary evidence, eventually you come to the conclusion that maybe the primary evidence won't be forthcoming, possibly because there isn't much of it, if any. If you can kind of connect the dots of what I'm trying to say here. Yeah, that's right. Don't want to get into anything too deep on episode three of Dino Skeptics. Live. No. Go away in the live chat says JLB wearing a beanie in the middle of summer. Well, it's not too hot down here in uh, in the poker room of Chateau Lucas, but this is part of the look. And of course, uh, if I wasn't wearing the beanie, I'd have hair coming down to the poker table, which wouldn't be good for anybody. I was hoping you'd wear a Christmas beanie for uh, this. The well, don't spoil it. I might have some little tricks up my sleeve oh, well. for our future episodes. Let the dinosaur out of the bag already. So. Yeah, we should have done it, actually. I was too I late. Looked, I looked, but I couldn't find one. Well, we've gotten to the end of the hour. Yeah. We finally made it there. The questions came through a bit too late. We're going to have to set up a little bit differently next time. Maybe uh, we can work together a bit more when one of us is going on a little rant. The other one can write down some questions and vice versa. But we'll yeah. get the hang of it. We will, mate. We've got this uh, doesn't always come naturally, the idea of being in front of a camera and broadcasting live. It's uh, not something they teach you in school, is it? No. we got 40 hours to do a throw uh, questions back on sports in the van. So, you know, who knows by the end of it, we might have this uh, this down pat. So. You'd hope so. Now, one final thing before we do wrap right, up. And I I'm promise nervous. this is the final thing. I'm nervous. One of the points that we've made to people is that we've already funded the film ourselves yep. and uh, it's going to happen come what may. However, if a few people did get on board, there would be a benefit to everyone in the sense that we could get some better hardware. If we were to start bringing in a few more Titan supporters, for argument's sake, what's the kind of hardware that you'd like to upgrade to for the production of the film? Yeah, great question. As we mentioned last time, wouldn't mind shooting in you know, 4K to future-proof the videos. Um, you know, I think if we can get some, if we could get a drone as well, just to get those aerial shots over over Winton, some of those really good establishment shots. Um, I think that'd be uh, you know, really uh, put the icing on the cake, so to speak, of the documentary. 
But if not, we, we might look at funding it ourselves. Um, but then there is, you know, the other the other implications of going to 4K is obviously going to have more hard drive space, et cetera. So it might, uh, you know, and, and post-production rendering and stuff will take a little bit of time, but, you know, that's something I'm willing to uh, to do. Um, probably got maybe one shot at this, so I'd rather, you know, try and do it right, get that 4K video footage if we can. Uh, get it done, you know, do it once properly. Yeah, I like that as well. Like I said last episode, I hadn't actually seen somebody with a 4K screen in their house uh, until I popped up here last week. And uh, there is a big difference in what you can see on the screen. Now, 1080p will be sufficient to make a film, especially because it's an independent film. This is not, I don't think I'll be touring the world going to the, the Cannes Film Festival with this, you know what I mean? So 1080p will be more than sufficient. However, if we could get something like a 4K uh, hardware to do the film that really would be icing on the cake but that's really out of our hands right now the options are all there for people if they want to support this they can if they prefer to spend their money on hollywood films like jurassic park 5 or whatever's coming out next and uh, be brainwashed oh i'm not being brainwashed well that's okay well if you think you're stronger than 30 or 60 frames a seconds being beamed into your head then best of luck to you but uh, a lot of people complain about the system lucas but they don't seem to realize that they are the system and uh, you get to vote once every three or four years. We all know how much that really counts. But you get to vote every day with your dollars. And ultimately, if you're voting for Hollywood or for uh, mainstream media through Netflix or through films or what have you, then that's your vote and you're fully entitled to it, just as someone else is entitled to say, well, if that's where your preferences are, don't pretend that you're not part of that system. Yeah, exactly. Vote with your feet. Um, you know, and if you want to contribute, I think you know, we're at a, a good age and time where, you know, we're going to see this hopefully explosion of micro channels. It's something you've been talking about for quite a lot. Unfortunately, I think, you know, the uptake hasn't been as rapid as we like, but, you know, like you said, you're out there, you know, creating content, you've got people watching. So if you can't contribute, you know, back videos, like I'm not, you know, one to, one to talk, I haven't put many videos out myself, but, you know, there's other ways you can contribute back. So you know, if you want to be, uh, if you don't want to take the, the, the main line, then, uh, you know, what's the alternative? And that is either producing content or funding or, you know, and who knows if, if uh, you know, what I've also found is these uh, funds seem to be circular. Like if someone does step up, you have an obligation to contribute back. And uh, I think, you know, if someone says, look, I'm going to make a video and want to take don- uh, donations, then I think you'd be obliged to contribute back as well. So, you know, keep, keep the uh, momentum happening. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't use the word donations because the way that we've set it up is that people do get back rewards yeah. for their contribution. For instance... By contributing at the first level, the minimum level, they get access to the digital download of the film because this isn't one that's going to just get uploaded to YouTube. The amount of time and effort that's going to go into producing this in the first place won't be for people like our mate John Watson to watch sitting there with his popcorn and his Doritos complaining that the world's a problem that he will never try and fix. It won't be for people like John Watson. It'll be for people who are willing to contribute towards the film, which will be by buying a copy of it, either via DVD or the stream. So by contributing as a minimum level, you get access to the film. Yeah. You will not be getting access if you do not pay the cash. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, why not? Why not yeah. get involved? And I can guarantee you there will be people who will come back and they'll say, you've given me 200 videos for free. You've given me more than 100 live shows for free. And now you expect me to pay for your feature-length film? You owe me. How dare you give me hundreds of hours of content for free and then expect me to pay 10 or 20 bucks to download a copy of your film? You are a bad man. Well, I was waiting for the JLB rant. Oh, it's been a while, been a full hour, and you haven't, you haven't ranted yet. So well, uh, I have, there to, we get, go. There I we have go. to get it out of my system. This is, what this is the festive what season. I get to have Christmas with uh, yeah. the Lucas family tomorrow. Looking forward to that. In fact, I'm looking forward to getting out of this place because it's starting to get a little bit warm down here yeah. as we approach midday Brisbane time 
on the 24th of December. So I've already given you your final thoughts. Do you have anything else to add? No, mate. You've had your rant, so I'm good. Got it out of my system. I'm feeling better yeah. now. So uh, that's it for Dynaskeptics 3. Again, johnthebond.com, plenty of information there, citations, references, the kind of stuff you won't get anywhere else. There's lots of pretenders. Are they doing the research? I don't think they are, but we are. We've done it. It's all there for you to view for yourself completely for free. You don't even need a membership. Just go to johnthebond.com, Dino Fraud, Dino Skeptics Film. Plenty of information there. Go and check it out for yourself. And uh, we'll leave it right about there for episode three of this show. So on the 24th of December, 2016, Dino Skeptics, episode three, you guys have yourselves a merry solstice season. And until next time, you take care of yourselves.